from the absolutes of the majority text scriptures to the requirement to conform to God's word in order to have peace and purpose in this life and to escape eternal damnation, the inerrant word of God is a constant source of agitation and angst to the camp of the hellbot. It drives Satan and his men's incessant efforts to debunk the gospel of Jesus Christ, as though their foolish efforts could actually achieve their desired end. This camp finds their end in utter disillusionment and everlasting punishment. If you are of that number, turn now while there is still time. Click on the Further with Jesus on this website for entrance into the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory, and there is no other entrance into the glories of eternal life. Now for today's subject. God said, Exodus chapter 10, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 4, For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. God said, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14, I know that whatsoever God doeth it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it, and God doeth it that men should fear before him. God said, Romans chapter 8, verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Man said comes in a challenge from M. It reads, In a few articles on your website, The First Law of Thermodynamics and 21 Signs of Doomsday Part 1, you've discussed how thermodynamics make it impossible for life to incur, occur excuse me, without God's help. Even though the arguments are valid, they have a number of critical flaws. The first law of thermodynamics doesn't state that energy can't be created or destroyed. All the first law states is that in a closed system, the total energy always remains the same. Even though it would be correct to state that in a closed system, energy cannot be created or destroyed, the way that you've put it, however, will confuse someone that doesn't understand thermodynamics. The second law of thermodynamics doesn't state that everything goes from order to disorder. All it states is that in a closed system, the entropy never decreases. Since the Earth is not a closed system, the only closed natural system that we know of is the universe as a whole, then the laws of thermodynamics do not apply to it. It is very easy to disprove the everything-is-moving-towards-disorder theory when you try to apply it to life and Earth. For instance, Take a cold cup and pour hot water into it. The entropy of the water will start to decrease, and the entropy of the cup will increase. Once the cup and the water reach the same temperature, they will be in equilibrium. Same is true for a water bath. If you run a bath of water and leave it alone, it will eventually become completely calm and flat. The water is in equilibrium. No part of it is in more energetic than any other part. The bathtub is not an isolated system, however. As soon as you get in there, two things will happen. First, you will shriek because the water is now cooled and will be trying to equalize its temperature with yours. Second, your kinetic energy will be added, setting the water in motion again. Thus, the Bible will be wrong in that science, since God is trying to apply the laws of thermodynamics to Earth to an open system. If you think that I'm wrong, I would be happy to hear your explanation. Thank you. Now the record. Dear M, thank you for your email and a chance to expound on the issues of the first and second laws of thermodynamics. 
These fundamental laws that science has discovered are fully biblical principles known by the children of God for thousands of years, as noted in the scriptures above. As science trips over the truth, it discovers that God has already been there, and in many instances has recorded it in his holy book. This is just another proof that God is. The first and second law of thermodynamics, especially the second law, have been the source of much debate between scientists who are evolution theorists and Bible-believing scientists. The second law, in layman's terms, states that everything goes from order to disorder or in regard to living organisms from life to death. Everything deteriorates from life's increasingly contaminated human gene pool to the dissipating sun. Evolution, on the other hand, promotes life which began from nothing and evolved into ever-increasingly more advanced organisms. Evolutionist defense against the obvious contradiction of the second law of thermodynamics is in the supposition of the terms open and closed systems. A closed system means nothing is added to or subtracted from that system, with the universe being offered as an example, whereas an open system means input from outside the system affects its performance, the earth is offered as an example. Evolutionists concede that the universe is a closed system, fully obedient to the second law. I must note here that the earth is part of the deteriorating universe. The earth as a cosmic part of the universe is influenced by the energy of the sun, which then would make it, according to evolutionary theorists, an open system, negating the overarching second law. This does not negate the second law of thermodynamics. The reason we see upwardly mobile life, not evolution, such as a seed of corn falling to the ground and bringing forth a stalk, and ears of corn with thousands of kernels, is because God created an organizing mechanism in all living things called DNA, which can harness the power of the sun and other God-given raw materials and replicate itself. But the sun, the DNA, and the other raw materials are deteriorating and will succumb to the second law, the law of sin and death. Let's look at M's challenge to God said, man said. M states, the first law of thermodynamics doesn't state that energy can't be created or destroyed, end of quote. It does indeed state that very principle. Dr. Morris and Dr. Clark, in their 394-page reference book titled The Bible Has the Answer, state, the first law is the law of energy conservation, which states that nothing is now being created or destroyed, end of quote. Again, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. Muncaster, in his book, Dismantling Evolution, excuse me, wrote this concerning the first law. The law states that the total energy of a system plus its surroundings remains constant. It also states that energy and matter can neither be created nor destroyed, although matter can be converted to energy, such as the burning of wood or the fission of radioactive materials, and vice versa. The first law, like all other laws of thermodynamics, has been verified by repeated testing and experimentation, so there is virtually no doubt about its accuracy. In the Smithsonian Institute Journal, Isaac Asimov, champion of evolution, stated, to express all this, we can say, energy can be transferred from one place to another or transformed from one form to another, but it can be neither created or destroyed. Or we can put it another way, 
the total quantity of energy in the universe is constant. M continues with his second challenge. The second law of thermodynamics doesn't state that everything goes from order to disorder. All it states is that in a closed system, the entropy never decreases. Since the Earth is not a closed system, the only closed natural system that we know of is the universe as a whole, then the laws of thermodynamics do not apply to it. It is very easy to disprove the everything is moving towards disorder theory when you try to apply it to life and Earth. The second law, the law of sin and death, presides over the universe, and the Earth is part of this universe. Dr. Morse, in his book, The Remarkable Birth of Planet Earth, writes, Some writers have attempted to circumvent the witness of the two laws against evolution by arguing that the Earth is an open system and the sun's energy is enough to offset their effects. However, all systems in the world are open in some degree to the sun's energy, so this in itself is no argument. There is a universal tendency for all systems to go from order to disorder as stated in the second law, and this tendency can only be arrested and reversed under very special circumstances. We have already seen in chapter 1 that disorder can never produce order through any kind of random process. There must be present some form of code or program to direct the ordering process, and this code must contain at least as much information as is needed to provide this direction. Furthermore, there must be present some kind of mechanism for converting the environmental energy into the energy required to produce the higher organization of the system involved. Even if there is enough energy for the sun in the environment, it will not automatically transform itself into some kind of orderly structured growth in a system. There must be an efficient and powerful energy converter present if the work is to be done. Thus, any system that experiences even a temporary growth in order and complexity must not only be open to the sun's energy, but also contain a program to direct the growth and a mechanism to energize the growth. Otherwise, the system will merely disintegrate and die regardless of the sun's energy. Now, the imagined age-long evolutionary growth of the whole world of organisms has neither program to direct it nor mechanism to empower it. Neither mutation nor natural selection is a program, and neither mutation nor natural selection is an energy conversion device. Neither one is either one. To offset the second law and produce true evolution, evolutionists need still to find a directing code and an enabling mechanism, and neither of these has yet been discovered. Again, Morris writes, Belgian scientist Ilya Prigogine received the Nobel Prize in 1977 for his work in non-equilibrian thermodynamic theory, but he did not solve or even claim to solve the problem of harmonizing evolution with entropy. He showed that under certain conditions of high energy flow and high energy dissipation with large overall increases of entropy, certain ephemeral ordered systems called dissipative structures might be formed as a side effect of the dissipative process. Prigogine expressed the hope that these might eventually somehow provide a clue to the origin of life. That was as close as he or anyone else has come to resolving the conflict between evolution and entropy. Evolutionists who believe this conflict can be handled merely by repeating the vacuous statement that the earth is an open system are thereby inadvertently acknowledging that they badly misunderstand the basic principles of thermodynamics. 
Three years after Prigogine received his Nobel Prize, Viking Press published Entropy, a new worldview, written by Jeremy Rifkin. The following is an excerpt. Now, however, a new worldview is about to emerge, one that will eventually replace the Newtonian world machine as the organizing flame of history. The Entropy Law will preside as the ruling paradigm over the next period of history. Albert Einstein said that it is the premier law of all science. Sir Arthur Eddington referred to it as the supreme metaphysical law of the entire universe. The entropy law is the second law of thermodynamics. The first law states that all matter and energy in the universe is constant, that it cannot be created or destroyed. Only its form can change, but never its essence. The second law, the entropy law, states that matter and energy can only be changed in one direction, that is from usable to unusable, or from available to unavailable, or from ordered to disordered. There will also be those who will stubbornly refuse to accept the fact that the entropy law reigns supreme over all physical reality in the world. They will insist that the entropy process only applies in selective instances, and that any attempt to apply it more broadly to society is to engage in the use of metaphor. Quite simply, they are wrong. The entropy law says that evolution dissipates the overall available energy for life on this planet. Our concept of evolution is the exact opposite. We believe that evolution somehow magically creates greater overall value and order on Earth. Now that the environment we live in is becoming so dissipated and disordered that it is apparent to the naked eye we are, for the first time, beginning to have second thoughts about our views on evolution, progress, and the creation of things of material value. Someone should have told Mendelssohn that the second law of thermodynamics does not apply to Earth. He made the following statement in American Scientist. Speculations which have intrigued the philosophers more than the physicists concern the ultimate fate of the universe as a consequence of the second law of thermodynamics. There ought to exist a more probable and therefore final state of maximum entropy. Once this is attained, nothing more can happen and all processes, including those of life, must come to an end. This entropy death seems to be as inescapable as the dissolution in the Buddhist nirvana and equally far off. We have at present no evidence of any failure of the second law, nor can we see how such failure could be accommodated in our physical world. End of quote. Someone should have told Dr. Capra, one of the world's influential New Age scientists. In his 1996 book, The Web of Life, he writes, According to the second law, some mechanical energy is always dissipated into heat that cannot be completely recovered. Thus, the entire world machine is running down and will eventually grind to a halt. John Ross wrote the following in Chemical and Engineering News. There are no known violations of the second law of thermodynamics. Ordinarily, the second law is stated for isolated systems, but the second law applies equally well to open systems. End of quote. Finally, M. writes, Thus the Bible will be wrong in that science, since God is trying to apply the laws of thermodynamics to earth and an open system. M., you make a foolish accusation against God and his word. It must be remembered that God is never wrong and God never loses. M., we find no solid ground for your claims. Seek Jesus, 
while he may still be found. God said, Exodus chapter 10, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 4, For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. God said, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 14, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it, that men should fear him. God said, Romans chapter 8, verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Man said was the challenge from M. Now you have the record.